0: And we're delighted to have God's servant Mike with us. And uh, we're going to ask him now to come and preach God's word. Thank you. Well, thank you, Brother McLaughlin, again, for the kind words of welcome. I'm so happy to be back in Carrie Duff. Amen. You got it right. <laughs> this, time, this morning I said Tandragee which is the last church I did, but Carrie Duff, of course, is where it all began. And so we're glad to be here. Good to see Graham again, too. Amen. I haven't seen Graham for quite a while. I remember him as a little boy uh, going around his shorts around the the area there at the uh, uh, famous Murphy's Loft and it's good to see Graham and to hear him sing and it's good to see all of you here tonight uh, for this service I was greatly blessed by the second hymn that uh, burdens are lifted at Calvary and one of the reasons is because uh, John Moore who wrote that he is still alive and he lives just to the north of Toronto and we know him well, and uh, sometimes he comes along when he's had a way of preaching himself, he uh, comes along to our church service, a, a lovely, godly, Christian man, one of the nicest men you'd ever meet. If you look at the hymn book, he was born in 1925, so that means that he's getting up near 90 right now, but he's still active, and it's a lovely man, he used to preach in the uh, uh, tent hall in Glasgow, then he moved to Canada, and he wrote that wonderful hymn, That has been such a blessing to many people. Burdens are lifted at Calvary. Now tonight I want to uh, read from Psalm number 80. Uh, Psalm number 80, it's good to be home because uh, uh, we pronounce things the right way here in Ulster but other people don't pronounce them quite the same. Over North America, uh, some of them say Psalm as we do but very few, most of them say Psalm as an S-O-M-M-E, and then you have, uh, down the southern states, Sam, Sam 80. Uh, so uh, I'm glad to tell you I'm going to read from Sam 80. And that's another one, because uh, that word, that number eighty-eight, it gives the people in North America conniptions, because uh, they can't understand what we are saying. And uh, it took me a long time to find out the problem. And the problem is that we have two syllables in the word it, we say e-it, e-it and over there they just say one, eight, and uh, when we say it, uh, they have no idea, in fact uh, one of my friends was having trouble uh, with the operator on the telephone trying to phone the number that had two or three eights in it, and she says, what do you mean the it'?" it it? and he says the number that comes after seven and before 9 is stupid <laughs> uh, so uh, it's good to be home and be able to say Sam and to say it and you understand what I say. Another word is grace. We say grace, two syllables. And faith, we say feeth, two, two syllables. So we have to say grace and faith. Uh, so it's nice to be home to be able to speak uh, uh, the Lord's English and to speak it properly. Psalm number 80, verse 1. Give, o, give ear, O shepherd of Israel, Thou that leadest Joseph like a flock, Thou that dwellest between the cherubims, shine forth. Before Abraham and Benjamin and Manasseh, Stir up thy strength, and come and save us. Turn us again, O God, and cause thy face to shine, and we shall be saved. O Lord God of hosts, how long wilt thou be angry against the prayer of thy people? Thou feedest them with the bread of tears, and givest them tears to drink in great measure. Thou makest us a strife unto our neighbours, and our enemies laugh among themselves. Turn us again, O God of hosts, and cause thy face to shine, and we shall be saved. Thou hast brought a vine out of Egypt, thou hast cast out the heathen, and planted it. Thou preparedst room before it, and didst cause it to take deep root, and it filled the land. The hills were covered with the shadow of it, and the boughs thereof were like the goodly cedars. She sent out her boughs unto the sea, and her branches unto the river. Why hast thou then broken down her hedges, so that all they which pass by the way do pluck her? The boar out of the wood doth waste it, and the wild beast of the field doth devour it. Return, we beseech thee, O God of hosts. Look down from heaven, and behold, and visit this vine. In the vineyard which thy right hand hath planted, and the branch that thou madest strong for thyself, it is burned with fire, it is cut down. They perish at the rebuke of thy countenance. Let thy hand be upon the man of thy right hand, upon the son of man, whom thou madest strong for thyself. So will not we go back from thee? Quicken us, and we will call upon thy name. Turn us again, O Lord, God of hosts, and cause thy face to shine, and we shall be saved. May the Lord bless his word to our hearts and draw us close to him. Let's bow together. In prayer. Mm-hmm. Our Father in heaven, we thank thee today that burdens are lifted at Calvary. And we thank thee, our Father, for lifting the burden of our sin. Yes. And we thank the Lord for saving us. We thank thee, Lord, for calling us into the uh, f- uh, family of God, and we thank mm-hmm. thee, our Father, for the wonderful hope that thou hast given to us that some day we shall see thee and be forever with the Lord. Mm-hmm. But our Father, until that day dawn and the shadows of this earth flee away. There's work to be done, and Lord, we know it's difficult. We know, Lord, that the enemy is against us, and Father, we pray that Thou would come and bless and quicken and revive Thy people. Amen. O Lord, Lord, as we've been listening to the wind this afternoon, mm-hmm. O God, we would pray that the wind of God would come, would yes. defend us and break us till humbly we, we confess, confess our, our need. Then, in Thy mercy, remake us, mm-hmm. revive, restore, O Lord. For this we plead. Be with us now and speak to our hearts and bless us and do us good. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Tonight I want to leave just three words with you. And I hope that these three words will fasten upon your mind. And will become eventually, uh, will come right away, a prayer that you'll pray many, many times. I'm thinking of verse 14 of this psalm. And uh, the last uh, three words, return we bid, to you, O Lord, God of hosts. Look down from heaven and behold, and visit this vine. So I want you to think of those three words, visit this vine, and we're going to focus upon that uh, just now. Now the first thing we need to consider is the symbolism of the vine, because he's not talking about a natural vine, he's talking about something else. And so therefore we have to find out what is he actually talking about. Now there are three applications. Number 1, the vine can be and properly is the Lord Jesus Christ because he said, I am the true vine. And Jesus Christ told us that we are branches of that vine. Now that raises a question. How do we know that Jesus Christ is the Messiah? Because many people have made claims of being messiahs and so on throughout history. And they will continue right to the very end time. So how do we know that Jesus Christ is actually uh, the one that we claim him to be? Well, the answer is very simple. Because in the Bible you'll find that there are what I call laser lights of prophecy. Way back in the book of Genesis we're told that the Messiah will be born supernaturally of a woman. Then we're told in Isaiah that uh, he will be born of a virgin. Then in Micah we're told he's going to be born in Bethlehem. And there are a number of major prophecies and the one who's the Messiah has to fit in with those. But then there are some minor statements that could be passed over very easily And somebody who's trying to um, pass themselves off as a Messiah uh, could make a serious mistake in that. For example, in Hosea uh, chapter 11 and verse 1. When Israel was a child, then I loved him and called my son out of Egypt. that's a prophecy regarding the coming of the Lord. So if somebody was going to the Bible and say, "Well, I want to be a Messiah and I want to be like him," so get some of the major prophecies, but then fall down on the minor ones. In this one here, it says, "I will call my son out of Egypt." And again, in our chapter here, it says in verse eight, "Thou hast brought a vine out of Egypt; thou hast cast out the heathen and planted it." So, the Lord Jesus Christ is properly the vine. And you remember how that after he was born, they took him down into Egypt, and then finally, when Herod was dead, they brought him back out again. So, the Lord Jesus, he is the vine. But there's a second application, and that is to the nation of Israel. And I do hope our brother enjoys his trip over there and that the ceasefire will hold at least until he gets back home again. And you folks can look forward to a whole bunch of new sermons. Because when he sees all the places, he'll be coming back and telling you, I was there, and he'll describe to you the things that he has seen. So it does refer also to the nation of Israel, because remember how in Joseph's day the family moved down into Egypt. They went in as a family, and they come out, uh, come out as a nation. So Israel is also the vine. But not only is Israel the vine, The third application is to the church of Jesus Christ. Now the church is made up of individuals. Jesus said, he is the vine, we are the branches. So every one of us is a branch of the true vine. So that applies uh, to individuals. It applies to congregations of believers. It applies to a denomination of believers. And uh, there are many, many vineyards in the world where people are standing up for the Lord and preaching the word of the living God. But tonight, I want you to think of this vine. We can look at our denomination as a whole, and we can look at the denomination in its individual congregations. And as far as we're concerned tonight, let us focus on this vine, this church here in Kyedhoff in the County Down. Now, there are some encouragements here. <clears throat> First of all, that God's people are saved and they are uh, secured by the Lord. It tells us there in the psalm that in verse 8, Thou hast brought a vine out of Egypt, thou hast cast out the heathen, and planted it. And so the Free Presbyterian Church, I believe, exists not because of man's desire, but because of the providential leading of the Lord. And way back in 1951, the church was founded and the Lord planted in this land of Ulster, uh, planted the uh, church uh, that we belong to at this time. And so it's wonderful to know that the Lord is working. In order to do that, he has to save souls. We've been saved by the grace of God. And then he plants them and he secures them. But uh, there's also the spread of the work because it tells us that they did spread in the, the work in verse 9 thou prepared's room before it and it's caused it to take deep root and it filled the land and so here is the lord speaking he calls out of people in different areas he plants them and then he causes them to grow and the free church has certainly seen that in its life because it started off in a small way in cross gar we were at AJ's last night and had a look at Lazara Presbyterian Church and our church just round the corner. started in a very small way then, but then it uh, developed here so that Ulster is filled. You see, it says it filled the land. Ulster is pretty well filled. So. Uh, If you want to go to a free church, you don't have to go more than 10 miles in any direction, and you're going to find one somewhere in here. We're not the same in North America. Our closest church is 50 miles away, and the next one is 60 miles away, and then some of them are as much as 3,000 miles away. They're as far away from us in Toronto as you are from us here in uh, uh, Carrie Duff. So it's wonderful. The Lord has caused the work to grow, the free church, uh, Uh, moved to Toronto in 1976 and then to uh, Philadelphia just shortly after and to Greenville in South Carolina and these have become mother churches and so the church has grown and they have become mother churches sending out other congregations across uh, different parts of the world. So we have churches today in the United Kingdom, in Australia, Kenya, in Liberia and do pray for two missionaries. Uh, good that the Lord got them out of that place because uh, 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 of the dangers there and uh, do pray too that uh, they will be uh, free from any infection they're waiting 21 days incubation I believe they're waiting to make sure that everything's ok so uh, Joanne Greer's back home and uh, so is Dave DeCario back uh, into the states and so uh, we have churches in Liberia and Spain and uh, Jamaica our work in Jamaica had a tremendous blow there a couple of years ago when our main man was murdered murdered in the course of his job he was a security guard in a place and he was murdered and the things changed because next month we are marrying his um, bride or his wife uh, to another Jamaican man who was one of the main workers down there so they're getting married in our church and I have to be, they asked me to be the giveaway father. So I'm giving away this uh, woman. And uh, she's as black as your boot. And I'm pretty white. Uh, so they're going to be asking questions. They'll see me walking down with the aisle. Who gives this woman? I do. Uh, so uh, we have a wedding coming up. So churches church is there in Jamaica. But do pray for them. Uh, the Lord the Lord will bless them. We have works in Brazil and India, Nepal and so on. The Lord has caused the, the vine to spread across the world. Now the strength of the vine. The vine is not very strong. We have a lot of them grow down near Niagara. And you look at them and they have to be strung up with uh, cord and wires and so on. Because a vine cannot stand by itself. And what a picture of us. Because we have no strength in ourselves. Uh, we are not very strong and uh, a vine cannot be like a mighty oak and stand. Uh, we are not like that. We are uh, just very, very weak, and uh, we need to remember that it's only by God's strength that we as individual congregations and the denomination uh, can be strong in the Lord. Now, um, it says here something very wonderful, and that is in verse number t- uh, 10, The hills were covered with the shadow of this vine. And the boughs thereof were like the goodly cedars. Now here you can't really liken a a vine to a cedar. Except miraculously in the power of the Lord. uh, A cedar in Lebanon. It uh, grows and spends about 50 years to grow a very very short height. In order to get down a very strong root system. tells us here that they have taken deep root and so uh, the Lord has uh, uh, caused us to do the same the work started in 1951 and then was slow in its development until 1966 and during that time the Lord was compacting the foundation and the Lord was strengthening the work now the, um, the goodly cedars they grow in the high ground of Lebanon and they have this a deep root system that stretches for hundreds and hundreds of yards to get to a stable water system and supply system. And uh, likewise, the free church, we need to get our roots down deep into the mother vine, the Lord Jesus Christ, get down into him. And then we can be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Now, in the work of God, you'll find that we are opposed By myriad forces of the devil and of hell. The devil does not like the free church. The devil does not like any church that's faithful to the word of God. Now, you find uh, uh, we're having a problem with the Muslims in uh, Canada. They're coming in in their droves. And what happens is that North America sends money to Saudi Arabia and other countries to get uh, oil. And then they send the money back to build a mosque and to build a school and so on. And so they're uh, coming in. There's a mosque beside us that has a population or a congregation of 17,800. That's just a mile from our church. And so uh, uh, there are many enemies and uh, many attempts to try and cause the church to fail. But we're happy to say with Paul that we continue to this day witnessing both the small and great by the power of the Lord, so the symbolism of the vine we're taking it tonight as uh, to the church and especially to our own work that the Lord has called us to. But now we come to the suffering of the vine, and that's the reason for the plea uh, where the psalmist prays, visit this vine, and he calls for that uh, prayer to go forth uh, because we are in a battle. Paul was able to finish his ministry and say, I have fought a good fight. And the battle, my friend, is intensifying more than uh, in this last number of years. The battle is getting fiercer uh, by the day. And uh, that's why we need to pray, Lord, visit uh, this vine. And in the battle, you'll find that some of God's people have been scarred. Now you imagine... I think you still have the zoo up there at Bellevue. I haven't been to it for a long, long time. But I presume you visit the zoo up there. And in the zoo you'll have lions. And every so often they toss the lion a big lump of meat and the lion has its meal. Now you imagine going into the zoo and going into the cage and trying to take that meat out of the jaws of the lion and you're going to find that you'll have a few scratches on you before you're finished. He's not going to give it up easy. And our job is to minister to the ungodly, and the devil has them in his control, and the Bible describes him as the roaring lion. And so when you go to try and rend the meat from him, he is going to scratch you, and he's going to do his best to destroy you. And the Bible tells us, that he is the roaring lion, but the wonderful thing is that in Revelation the Lion of the tribe of Judah can beat the lion, the roaring lion, any time. And so we thank God for the fact that we have the Lord uh, to help us. So um, the plea is here because of the battle, and even in the winning situation that the losing, the winning army also suffers and is uh, uh, suffers and blood is drawn. And sometimes God's people they become weary and well doing, and uh, the devil would love to get us like that to stop altogether. But we have to keep going and go uh, by the power of the living God. Now, in our experience, the Church of Jesus Christ, and whether it be the Free Church or some other uh, faithful church, it has its ebbs and its flows. We had in 1966 and for the probably decade after that, a time of the flow tide. And the Lord was really blessing us. And I remember being here and uh, going continually to uh, churches for sod cutting ceremonies and uh, stone laying ceremonies and (laughs) opening ceremonies as the Lord opened uh, various congregations. And so it was the time of the flow tide. And the other thing was that at that time, and I ministered here during that time, at that time, there were a tremendous number of people coming to the Lord. Now, I, I remember in Tandragee when I first went there. When you preached the gospel on a Sunday night, you expected to see somebody saved, and very often there was somebody saved, and uh, it was good to go back to Tandragee on Friday night and meet some of those people that were the joy of leading the Lord away back at that time. So that was a time. But then you begin to ask, well, what about today? <laughs> and you find that if we're honest with ourselves, the number of people coming to know the Lord today is not nearly what it was before. And I think of um, what Haggai the Prophet said there in um, uh, Chapter Three, uh, Hab- Hab- Habakkuk rather, or Habakkuk as you call it, that uh, Habakkuk Chapter Three and uh, Verse Number Seventeen although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines, the labor of the olive shall fail, and the field shall yield no meat, the flocks shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. A picture of decline, a picture of <coughs> a serious decline, and famine. And yet in our day, are we not in a similar place where there is a spiritual decline but the thing is the notice is that Habakkuk he said yet despite that will I rejoice in the Lord I will joy in the God of my salvation Uh, so there is the ebb uh, the flow tide but then there is the ebb tide and uh, sometimes people uh, get completely discouraged and cast down because of the uh, ebb tide But then you have to consider the enemy we're facing because he's ferocious. In verse number 13, the boar out of the wood doth waste it. And I remember going to Kenya a few years ago and they took us on a tour at that time of one of the great big animal parks. And we were going along at (coughs) twilight in this bus and all of a sudden to the left there was a commotion. And out under a culvert came uh, one of those warthogs now, if you ever want to see the description of ugly, a warthog, that's what it's ugly. But it's also very, very fierce, and uh, it would trample and destroy. And the devil, he is that boar that would come out, would destroy the people of God. If he can't do it from outside, as he tried to do to us in 1976, he will try to do it from the inside. So we have to be not ignorant of the devil's devices, watching out for him because he is a ferocious enemy. And uh, as I said, the Bible describes him as the roaring lion and he waits in secret and he'd love to rend apart the weakest of the flock. Uh, So we that are strong need to bear the infirmities of the weak and pray that the Lord will give us victory. But not only is the um, enemy uh, ferocious, he is also foxy. You take the word fox in the Bible, follow it through. I think it appears nine times altogether, and every time you'll find it has to do with destruction. The little foxes that spoil the vines. And imagine getting a verse like that in the middle of the song of love, the song of Solomon. Right in the middle of that wonderful song praising the Lord, you have the little foxes spawning the vines and we got to watch uh, the devil because he's always about the work of destruction he's sly and we're reminded of the wiles of the devil in the Bible not only is that, he's fiery because it says down there in verse 16 it is burned with fire and the devil if he could would burn us out I remember the awful sad time uh, down in Banbridge uh, when The Banbridge Church, they built, like we had in Tandragee at that time, a portable building. And their building was beautifully put together. Lovely building and they just had it nicely finished when the IRA burned it. And I saw a picture in the newsletter of John Douglas standing there in what was left of the pulpit and uh, uh, just looking so sad. Because the enemy tried to burn us out. But you go to Banbridge today. And look at the church that's there right now. Because the old devil. He overstretched himself. And today the work is going on. Uh, by the grace of God. And so in the work of God it's not easy. And it's hard. And it's difficult. And there are times when you almost feel. Like giving up. And get weary and well doing. But that's the time that we need to remember the Lord Jesus Christ, because in Hebrews 12, it tells us there, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and set down the right hand of the throne of God. For we're told, consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. And then Paul reminds us, ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. In other words, we're still alive. We haven't been killed. We haven't been made martyrs. We're continuing on by the grace of God. And When you find things are hard and things are difficult and you wonder, Lord, what is the way forward? But just remember what the Lord went through. We are not worthy of the least of God's mercies. But God has blessed us with the very greatest of his mercies. Because he sent his son to die in our room instead. And he suffered. So the church of Jesus Christ in this age is suffering. You see we are surrounded where we are uh, by false religions. I told the Muslim mosque just a mile away. A mile in other direction, we have a Hindu temple. A mile in the other direction, we have a, a Sikh temple, and uh, we have a major Jehovah Witness hall uh, not far from our place. So we're surrounded uh, by enemies, and the trouble is that the world regards the Christian church as just another religion, and that is difficult, because we know we have the truth of the Lord, uh, but they regard us as another religion. And you will notice too that no matter what the other religions do, the press will be very favourable to them, even the Muslims. And you think of uh, any troubled place in the world today, you'll find at the back of it are Muslim extremists. And they have in their documentation that they are quite permitted to kill. You see, we have the commandment, thou shalt not kill. And believers know that we do not extend the kingdom of God uh, by uh, bloodshed. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world, else that my servants fight. So we don't extend the kingdom of God by fighting. They know that. We're not going to kill them to extend Christianity. But they will to extend Islam. And they regard us as (laughs) infidels. And their Quran says that the the, uh, infidel is to be killed, and the person who does it uh, is receiving a favour from the Lord because they are doing God's work. And so that's why it's very, very difficult. And today we're surrounded by enemies, and the Lord would have. uh, We need the Lord to come and defend us. And that's why we need to pray this prayer, Lord, uh, visit this vine. Now let's look at the sparing of the vine. Because this is an emotional cry from the psalmist. Look down from heaven and behold and visit this vine. And may God help us all here to get the burden into our hearts and to cry to God. Lord look down from heaven and behold and visit this vine. Every one of us our own vine in our own area. Lord come and bless us and we need divine visitation. Now there's a problem here because the Lord can visit us two ways he can visit us in judgment and in wrath because uh, you can turn to Isaiah uh, chapter 5 and uh, verse uh, 4 uh, he, God says what could I have been done more to my vineyard that I have not done in it and then in verse 5 now I go to I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard I will take away the heads thereof And it shall be eaten up, and break down the wall thereof, and it shall be trodden down, and I will lay it waste. Uh, It shall not be pruned nor digged, but there shall come up briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. You see, he's not talking about the ungodly. He's talking about his people. He's talking about those who are uh, followers of him. Who make up the uh, Is Israel vineyard in the Old Testament. And he's talking about visiting in wrath. And you turn over to uh, Psalm number 88. And uh, Psalm number 88 you'll discover that he says uh, much the same thing. There in the uh, ver- 89 rather, uh, verse 32. It says, then will I visit their transgression with the rod and their iniquity with stripes. So God can and sometimes does visit his people in judgment and in serious problem. So we say, God forbid. May we never get to the place where the Lord has the judges. And yet there have been churches that have been destroyed because the Lord has taken the candlestick away. I think of the ministry of that great man, uh, Henry Cook, the black man down there in the town. We had a wonderful uh, church in Toronto that was named after him, Cook Presbyterian Church It was a church that seated 2,000 people and uh, every minister there was either from Scotland or Northern Ireland It was a church where there was a tremendous work done You go to Toronto today to find a Cook uh, Presbyterian church and all you find is a car park because the building is demolished, the church is closed and uh, the candlestick is gone may the Lord remind us that that can happen, so the Lord can visit in judgment, may that never happen to us, (coughs) but uh, the Lord can also visit us in mercy and thank God he does, so we're looking at ourselves as a vine and we need the Lord to come in and to help us so what happens uh, first of all, the Lord, He digs and He uh, feeds us. It's important that we get the very best food, the food of the Word of God. You'll find uh, that some of the churches, we see them according to their notice boards as we drive past. and They've got little trite human statements up there that mean nothing. We have an electronic sign outside our church and we decided at the beginning, we we'll put it up, we're going to carry in it nothing but scripture except occasionally a meeting that we're going to have a special meeting but we have a scripture there And it's at an intersection so every car that stops at the red light it's time to read that Bible verse so that's what we need to do is to uh, have the Word of God and we need the Lord to dig around our foundation and feed us with the very finest of the wheat and I tell you I've been a minister for a number of years and the more you study the Word of God you can never exhaust it. wonderful little book that I read, I'm sure some of you have, uh, about the t- killing times in Scotland. Um, I forget the name of it even, but I have read it about four times. And after having read it four times, I don't think I'm going to read it again because I think I got all the in it the first four times. But here's a book, you can read it over and over and over again And every time you come, you'll come to something new. And that's why I tell people, when you're going to read the Bible, just before you start, say, Lord, show me something new out of thy word today. And it'll surprise you how many times, say, I never saw that before. And the Lord gives you a blessing. So the Lord needs to visit us in mercy to dig around our foundation and to feed us. And then to prune us. The vine has to be pruned. Where uh, we are in Canada, we have a lot of vines around Niagara. And then out where Andy Foster is in, um, in Penticton. It's another area of many, many vines. So we had the opportunity of looking at them. And uh, they have to be pruned. Major job. Go down the row after row of vines of pruning off and snipping off. But the wonderful thing is that when the Lord is pruning us, We are developing maybe south this way. And the Lord says, no, that's not the way. Snip, snip, and off goes the branch. Want to go this way? No, no, that's not the way. Off goes the branch. When the Lord is pruning us, we are always in his hand. Never, ever forget that. And sometimes when you're going through tough times and you think, has God forgotten to be gracious? He may just be applying the pruning shears to shape you the way he wants you, uh, for your life, for him, and uh, so he will do that, but remember, we're always in the hand of the great uh, husband man. And then also, he uh, has to work with us uh, to uh, protect us. Over in Pentecton, we were some time ago, uh, preaching, walked through a vineyard and saw the grapes, uh, the clusters of grapes, all covered with plastic banks. And I asked somebody, what's this all about? And they said, that is to protect the grapes from the birds. Because the birds come and destroy the fruit. And so they put it in a plastic bag around it, and so it will be protected. And likewise, the Lord, he puts his arms round about us. He protects us. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. And so we are blessed by the Lord. And then also... The vine has to be strengthened because the vine cannot stand up by itself. So they put up uh, uh, vertical poles and horizontal wires. And then they tie the uh, uh, vine to that and it grows up. And they keep tying it as they get up. And they give strength to the vine. And the Lord has to do that with us because we are such a weak people. But thank God he can make us strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So the Lord binds his cords of love around about us. And he helps us by the way. Another thing too is that the great husband man needs to visit us to gather fruit. Because that's why you grow a vine, for the fruit. And we are branches of the vine, we are to bear fruit. John tells us, fruit, more fruit and much fruit. We're to bear fruit for him. Now many people, they think of fruit as um, Leading a soul to the Lord. Well that is fruit. Mm -hmm. But the first fruit has nothing to do with that. We are indwelt as believers by the Holy (coughs) Spirit. And we are to bear the fruit of the (coughs) Spirit. And I've got into the position now where I pray virtually every day. Lord let the fruit of the Spirit be seen in my life. Mm -hmm. And go down them one by one love. Joy peace long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, and uh, meekness and temperance and I asked myself, well, number four's always a problem long suffering because I would tend to be uh, one who wants things done yesterday, and uh, I don't suffer fools gladly, and so it's difficult lord give me uh, give me some uh, degree of uh, of uh, uh, that, that I'm able to not be uh, flying off the handle of people so we need to pray for the Lord to give us these uh, fruits individually, love and joy and that joy, that's another thing sometimes you get believers going about and uh, they would turn people away from Christianity because they think that a sad countenance is an indication of great holiness and great, uh, great uh, uh, walking with the Lord not so that if you're walking with the Lord, you'll be joyful, because that's the second fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, and then the peace that we have in Him. So it's a good prayer to pray, Lord, let the fruit of the Spirit be seen individually and collectively, not in small measure, but in large measure in my life, that when I meet people, that they will know that we have been to Jesus. Yes. And that's an important thing. So the Lord, we need that prayer to visit us. And then to encourage fresh growth. Because um, in the vineyard, they want to add uh, to their uh, harvest by growing more and more vines. And so they plant new ones and that increases uh, the uh, produce at the end of the harvest season. Friends, we desperately need young men. Young men who will become husband men, Young men who will respond to the call of God. Now we have two very good nurseries. It's good to have nurseries where you can buy good plants to put in your garden or in your field or whatever. That it's good to have good nurseries. We have two good ones. We've got our Whitfield College of the Bible that has people there who are dedicated to training young men and young women in the way that they should go. And we also have the corresponding one in Greenville, our Geneva Reformed uh, Seminary, where young men there are learning the same thing. But our trouble is that we need the men to win. We have at this present time three churches in Canada, without a minister, without a pastor, One of them is in Fredericton, which is a thousand miles from us in Toronto. That's in the province of New Brunswick. We have our Calgary Church, which is two thousand miles to the west of us and has uh, no pastor. And then we have Prince George, which is in British Columbia and some five hundred miles north of Vancouver without a pastor. Now, each of these three churches have their own building. They've got a church building. Each of them has their building paid off. There's no debt in the congregation. But we have three congregations, three viable congregations there that have done very well, especially Fredericton; They're stuck by the stuff, even though they have no under-shepherd to guide them. I want you to pray that the Lord would touch the hearts of some of our young men Put the name either Prince George, Calgary or Fredericton upon their heart and give them no rest or peace until they respond to the Lord's call. We desperately need young men and that's why again we pray, Lord, visit this vine. Lord, come and answer prayer. And if we, uh, I understand uh, I've got a little bit out of the uh, loop with regard to the history of our church here and what's happening But I understand we have a number of churches here and no man either. Uh, So we need to pray, Lord, uh, fill these pulpits and fill them with preachers. Fill them with pastors who have hearts that love the Lord and love the people of God. Now in closing, there's an interesting thing here in verse 1. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, thou that leadest Joseph like a flock. So he gives us two, uh, uh, two analogies. I have been looking at the one, the vine, the vine that the Lord has called. Lord, visit this vine. We desperately need the visitation of God and mercy in our vine. But also he gives the analogy of the flock. Thou that leadest Joseph like a flock. Thou that dwellest between the cherubim shine forth before Ephraim and Benjamin and Manasseh stir up the strength and come and save us. Now the question comes, why? Why did he single out Joseph and his two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh? Why not Judah? Why not the other tribes? Why did he single those out? And I think the answer is found in the Bible. If you turn back to the book of Numbers, Numbers 2, you'll find there details of the camping order of the children of Israel when they moved into the wilderness. And then you also have the marching order. And you find that when they marched to a new place, as the pillar of cloud and fire directed them, in the head was Judah, representing the Lord. Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun. They were up front. Then behind was Reuben, Simeon, and Gad. And then after that was the tabernacle. And the tabernacle is that thing in the Old Testament It speaks of the Lord Jesus Christ. It speaks of him in his person. It speaks of him in his work. The door of the tabernacle, Jesus Christ the door. The brazen altar, the cross. The laver is the washing of the word of God. And then you have inside the holy place, you have the, the holiest of all. You've got the Ark of the Covenant and you have the mercy seat. So the tabernacle followed those first six tribes. Now look what happens. Behind the tabernacle, Ephraim, Manasseh, and Benjamin—just the ones that are mentioned here in the psalm. Mm-hmm. What's the lesson? The lesson is that they were the closest to the Lord because the, the Ark of the Covenant is a picture of Christ. The gold is a picture of His deity. The cedar wood is a picture of His humanity. Within is the law of God written in His heart that He sinned not against God. It's all there. And so these people, they followed close to the Lord. And the closer we are to the Lord Jesus Christ, the closer we will, will be uh, to the blessing. And so that's why each one of us need to take upon our hearts this prayer. And I trust you'll do it frequently for your own self and for your congregation, Lord, to visit this house and thank God he will answer prayer. And we can see yet even greater things done by the mighty hand of the Lord our God. Let's bow together in prayer. Our Father in Heaven, we thank Thee tonight for the Word of God that directs us and guides us. And while, Lord, we can look back and thank Thee for times of great blessing and times of revival. And yet, Lord, there are times that the church goes through the ebb tide, and we feel, Lord, to a large degree we're going through that uh, just now. And we pray our Father that thou would look down from heaven thy dwelling place and that thou would visit this vine Amen, Lord, Lord not in in judgment but visit this vine in thy husbandly uh, well being and keeping of the vine. And Father we thank thee the vine is connected to the man of thy right hand and that man is the true vine the Lord Jesus. So our Father we pray that thou blesses and even though we live in a very difficult age with sin on every hand and how hard it is to compete with the sins of this world, oh God, help us, we pray, to be overcomers and to see mighty things done by the hand of the Lord. So bless Lord, and revive us and quicken us. And Lord, should there be anyone here, and we've been speaking to thy people tonight, Amen. oh God, of there's anyone here who knows not the Lord, oh God, may they pray, Lord, visit this vine and save they're never dying souls. Yes. Part us, Lord. Lord, now in thy fear and with thy blessing, yes, the Lord, Lord bless our time of fellowship together and accept our thanks to the good things provided. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.